0: Okay. Now I'm gonna do the whole like thing. Do it. Do the whole
1: thing. Do the thing. I I can swear and stuff on here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Fuck yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fucking right. Today we get it on, on Body & Wine Podcast. Well, mostly we just drink a scandalous amount of attic and talk about saucy things like evangelism and Zionism, the doctrine of hell, and the religion of loving other people. Intrigued? Let's listen in on what Tyler's got to say on modern prophecy and righteous anger. Ah, hell yeah. Please,
1: we're
0: so Mm hungry.
1: We're hungry for more. (laughs) The body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and together we desire and agree that it is in good health.
0: Hello and welcome to Body and Wine, Conversations on Sex and Spirituality. I'm Charlie Gray and I'm sitting here with Tyler. Hi Charlie. (laughs) Hey. We're in Ramallah and we are (coughs) drinking Arak because it's delicious Uh and it's cheap. Most importantly. Most importantly. And it's made in Ramallah, this one.
1: Represent, taking care of Palestinian business.
0: Exactly. We met climbing. Correct. Correct. In Nablitz. You maybe don't even remember that. Oh, In October of last
1: year. A long time ago.
0: Yeah. All right, great. So, let's dive in. Mm
1: -hmm. I am an American. I guess if you want physical descriptors, I am the picture of Western privilege. (laughs) I am a white male living in Ramallah, running a rock climbing gym.
0: Is it also... The one and only climbing gym in Palestine or in the West Bank. Do you know?
1: So there was another one that just opened up recently in Bethlehem, but it's very haphazard and small, and like they don't really open consistently.
0: Hmm.
1: So yeah, we just go with that. It is cool. the one, the and one and only. <laughs>
0: nice, I like that. The one and only climbing gym in the West. Bank. The West Bank. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that I want to talk about. So, yeah. Okay. One thing that I was wondering about is what denominations or Christian traditions that you come from.
1: You know, it's kind of funny. A lot of time when I was growing up, I wasn't really sure how to refer to the Christianity that me and my family practiced. But our church is non-denominational. We would say. So we would always say we're Bible believing Christians. But I think we, as I got older, especially the last few years, I think we fit more into evangelical Christianity. What's funny though is that I don't really know the differences between Protestant denominations. Mm -hmm. Because often people who aren't Christian will ask me, like, their only baseline is, like, are you Catholic or are you Protestant?
0: Yeah, if that.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, I guess I'm Protestant. Because I'm definitely not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would probably fit into the category evangelical. Especially now, seeing the way that some people in my family vote on their political leanings and their support for certain apartheid regimes. Mm-hmm. In the region, (laughs) which goes along quite well with evangelical troop. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it'd be evangelical. Let's go with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I grew up in, I think I told you, the Salvation Army, which is like super evangelical.
1: Salvation Army is a denomination, not just a thrift store.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. The Salvation Army was a denomination that... From what I remember and understand of the history, started in the 1800s by this couple, William and Catherine Booth, in the slums of Britain. And from what I remember again of the history, this is like my memory and I'm super like non-factual in my life. I shouldn't say that. I just don't remember facts. (laughs) I remember a lot of feelings though. So I think it happened... It started around the 1800s when the church was still very much directly linked to the government and to the queen. Mm. And they noticed a lot of corruption in the church. And it was also the time where alcoholism was huge in the slums. So they started home churches, basically, like um, where they kind of it was this taking back of the church into the power of the people and having it home based community-oriented, social-oriented. I can dig it. Yeah. And that's how these traditions of the community kitchens, soup kitchens, um, shelters kind of came from, was this literal culture built into the denomination of taking care of everyone as equals. Um, People who are in prison, were in prison, are low income. And then the non-drinking thing um, was out of solidarity for people who are trying to quit drinking, Hmm. which at least... As represented in my family which my family is my extended family was predominantly Salvation Army and some cousins have like branched off at this point but basically like that's my family culture and have like a lot of leadership uh, within the church Um, don't drink alcohol but from my experience would view it more as like a sin
1: rather than rather than choice
0: yes Out of solidarity, so trying to like avoid the negative repercussions of it, I suppose. Uh I also never grew up with the word pacifist, but I think it was at least this initial idea of we're not fighting for the queen, we're fighting for the army of the Lord. So it developed this really militant language, like the pastors are called officers and um, I became a junior soldier when (laughs) I was younger, which is like a whole other podcast in itself. Also, we didn't grow up with, I don't remember hearing the word Zionist. But definitely, when I look back, we were taught Zionist theology. But then I moved to a Baptist church in my high school years. Yeah, And then I went to some non-denominational youth groups, which were like charismatic Pentecostal.
1: Wide range of experiences.
0: Yeah, a wide range of evangelical (laughs) experiences. Well, okay, maybe I could ask this. Like, what made you interested even in sharing?
1: I think I like to... Talk about this kind of stuff for myself because it is still something that I'm working through, and I definitely process things by speaking them as well instead of just keeping it in your head. Mm. But it's also like very new thing for me. Like I, not necessarily, not necessarily sex, but where I stand now in my with my quote unquote religion or my spirituality is really only been the last like three years that i've been kind of questioning my faith mm. and then all of those things that go along with my faith all these things i believed that were intrinsically either wrong or right really only the last year since literally last Ramadan when i really felt that i didn't identify as a christian anymore mm. recently is when i kind of realized that i'm not so alone in that or mm-hmm. like i did have a definitely a pervasive sense of being solitary in this journey out of christianity and into perceiving everything that i learned in a different light
0: yeah,
1: uh, and coming at it from a different angle hmm. kind of rethinking basically the entire structure of my life
0: yeah yeah i it took me probably it took me years to ever say like I'm not a Christian like I kind of became like the most liberal version of a Christian you could become and then eventually I feel like not that liberalism and conservatism is on a linear spectrum but like the way that I kind of viewed it was yeah like a ball of yarn unrolling and I got to the end of the string and it was like oh I just can't Justify it anymore. I'm actually just not that. I, you know, like I (laughs) redefined Jesus. I felt like every month I was trying to figure him into my life in a way that um, made sense in terms of my politics, what I believed about the world, scientifically, like realistically, just who I was as a person, and then eventually realized like he just doesn't fit this, and actually he's not at the core anymore. And that's totally okay. I actually felt super free realizing I wasn't a Christian. But almost my entire life has been informed in some way by this belief system. So right. it's going to shake me up a bit. Right. There's going to be some periods of gaps of knowledge or even things like how to process death, how to process relationships, how to process value of work, how to process my, where do I get my ethics from. Yeah. Let's say like I had the urge to pray. Yeah. Even if I no longer believed that there was a God out there, well, then what do I do with that? There's just a lot to figure out, I guess.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I felt like last Ramadan for me was this weird time where I felt like my mind was on fire in a good way, but it was like alternating between almost euphoria and then like extreme lows as well, like extreme highs and extreme lows because... It was like breaking free of something, but also realizing that I had no leg to stand on. Mm. As in, like, my foundations were kind of torn out from under me. Mm. So that process of kind of building new foundation or new foundations, plural, in different areas of my life that were basically governed, like you said, by my upbringing, my religious upbringing.
0: Yeah.
1: It was very freeing and very, yeah, scary and lonely at the same time. Mm. But it came out good. It came out on the on the high. Nice. But there's always, of course, yeah, it still lots of ups and perfect. downs.
0: Yeah. Why Ramadan? Like, was there something particular happening at that time? Were you fasting, or was it the energy, or was it just that time of like happened to be at that time of your life?
1: So, one like our climbing business does really bad during Ramadan, so I make very little money. So I was eating like a bare bones diet. Mm-hmm. I'd have like literally every day two eggs for breakfast, a piece of bread, and then I would have like some hummus and lebna with bread for, for lunch, and then I would make myself mujadra in the evening, Mm -hmm. which is just rice, lentils, and caramelized onions. Mm -hmm. So like I was like, I was lean. I was on like, a different (laughs) form of fasting. (laughs) <laughs> um, it was good. Like I'm not gonna say that I was like malnourished or like mm-hmm. or uh, like Simple. lacking anything. Mm-hmm. I did completely fine. But that combined with it was actually a book I was reading that like really kind of broke me through and radicalized me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was reading uh, the book "Revolutionary Suicide" by Huey Newton, who was one of the founders of the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. and it was really cool because. It was one of those stories where he talking about his early life and stuff before he started the Black Panthers. I felt like he was like speaking to me because he grew up in a Christian family. Like his father was a pastor. Uh, you know his siblings were into it. His extended family was into it, and he just laid bare a lot of things about Christianity that I'd always kind of had problems with, mm. but I'd never really formulated the the idea or the thought. With the conflict in my head I just kind of had this weird nagging like mm, I'm not comfortable with that so to like have someone take those things that I had always kind of been uncomfortable with and just like lay them out on paper mm-hmm. and then break them down and not only that but also kind of seeing a lot of the hypocrisy in Christianity especially from from the perspective of a person of color like who experienced a lot of the racism mm-hmm horrible shit that went on then like the civil rights era and stuff that still goes on now of course yeah Yeah, it just kind of really broke me into like this this time of like really craving like to learn and to look outside of the boundaries I was keeping myself in for such a long time wow
0: that was during Ramadan last
1: year That was during Ramadan last year and I guess uh yeah and and also to add to that was just that I had a lot of time my mm-hmm. hands so I was doing a lot of reading mm-hmm. but also reading kind of about the history of the United States especially in relation to like the Middle East yeah so there's a lot of different things so like not only was my my religious background like the foundation really challenged but also just the foundation of what it is to be like an American mm. was challenged which kind of goes hand in hand with being Christian so it was kind of like both my world's were challenged at the same time. Even though, like, I was always anti-American foreign policy, like for a long time, it was really only then that, like, I really started to see concrete evidence and statistics and death tolls, like, brought on by my own country. Like, it really just laid bare, like, wow, what an evil, evil government. Yeah. That you know also professes to be Christian.
0: Right. And you're also, I mean, I would imagine, like, you're having these thought processes smack dab in the middle of a conflict that's related to all of those things as well. Hmm. Had you really, before that time, super questioned your Christianity? No,
1: I had been questioning it for a while, since I had moved to the Middle East in 2016. Or actually, just the chain of events that started leading me to question it in 2016 when I moved to Jordan to study Arabic. Short stories, I kind of ended up dating a, a girl who was not a Christian and who refused to be a Christian, even though, you know, I laid on my best, you know, Uh-oh. rational arguments and my scripture knowledge and this and that with her. And really, like, I couldn't fault her with not wanting to be a Christian, mm-hmm. even though, like, we kind of really cared about each other and she knew how much it meant to me. Because with her story, it really shook me. Because she was really abused by Christians in her life, mm. and like especially like her her stepfather, who was like a devout Christian who also was super abusive to her and her her mother, mm. and constantly kind of turned it around and used like these guilt tactics against them. In a way that made me go, of course she wouldn't want to be a Christian. How can I blame her? Mm. How could God blame her? Yeah, and send her to hell while admitting her father to heaven? Mm. Does that make sense? Is that just and righteous? Like, uh, does that go along with the attributes that I have grown up my entire life? Kind
0: of image. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's when I really started to be like, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. And that's what got me in Jordan
0: mm.
1: is when I really started to do like my own kind of analyzation of what I believed and the really researching more like just beyond beyond the surface level of the English Bible for a lot of these doctrines. I always kind of approach things very analytically and I like to like if I'm going to say I believe something, I like to be quite concrete and solid about why. And not just like the standard, you know, rational argument. Mm. So what I did, my specific problem was with the doctrine of hell in relation to this girl that I was dating. So what I started to do was I went through the Greek and Hebrew of what words are translated into hell or into eternity. And that was really cool for me because what I discovered, you want me to break it down?
0: Yeah, break it down now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... When I discovered there's four words, Greek and Hebrew that are all translated to the one English word "hell" in our English translations. Now, you have Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for like the pit or the grave. Uh, you have Hades, the Greek equivalent to that in a way, like the underworld. Mm-hmm. I guess it would be. You have Gehenna, which was a literal place outside of Jerusalem where they burn trash. Yeah, I
0: think all I've day. Been there. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's a It's like place. right beside the old city, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a fun public drinking uh, outing there. Seven <laughs> <So laughs> years ago. <laughs> With a guy Cheers. named Moses. Moses. yeah. Moses. Moses himself.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then Gehenna is the Hebrew word for that place where they literally burnt trash back in Jesus' time. And then Tartarus is a Greek word. It's only used once in Second Peter, Second Peter, I think also just kind of means the underworld Mm. so looking at that and seeing how like all four of those words they all kind of have different connotations and different subtle things about them that don't directly translate to eternal suffering eternal torment Mm. in hell in what we perceive like what we've created to be this
0: other realm exactly yeah yeah
1: so that was kind of an eye-opening thing for me in this context especially of being like why would god have this place where he sends people like to eternal torment eternal mm. suffering yeah. basically when because a he's all it, loving yeah of course <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that makes sense <laughs>
1: and you know like for a lot of it i started to go down this this road of okay like maybe there is a hell but hell is not an eternal torment maybe it's in a period of judgment or where, like, it is suffering, but everyone goes through it, but it's a cleansing kind of fire, like a cleansing punishment, like you would have, like, with Gehenna, this place where you burn trash, where it's it's perpetually burning, but it's purifying. And then also with the words that are translated to eternity and forever, it's just the one word, I think, Greek, ionos or something? And the Greek definition itself is ambiguous, where it could mean for an age or for ages but it by no means means forever like the way Mm. we perceive eternity right time never ending exactly yeah so that was also a thing that kind of lent to my interpretation of well i don't think that a just and loving and forgiving god Mm. would send someone who he created to be this way he created and fully knew that they would choose one way or another due to all these influences in their lives. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he would send that person to internal torment, internal Mm -hmm. suffering, Mm -hmm. like a vindictive being would. Mm -hmm. It would make a lot more sense to me if, you know, both Christian and non-believer went through like a period of judgment and period of cleansing, kind of purification, and then came out reconciled at the end. Even that, lately, I've just been, like, just not convinced, really, by anything anymore (laughs) to do with Christianity and Christians. Because what's funny is, even though, like, I did this research and I did this reasoning and this, you know, rationale, and it definitely makes more sense if you take it, if you take you know, what Christians like to say about God and the characteristics of God, it makes more sense than eternal suffering. Mm. But what I've found is that anytime I mention this to like my Christian friends or family, mm. they just cannot accept it. Mm-hmm. Like they just keep, they just have to keep on quoting scripture and going back and being like talking about it in the way you would expect them to talk about it. And they're just defending it out of almost routine instead of actually thinking about it Mm -hmm. yeah after doing that a few times i was just like i don't even really want to talk about this anymore (laughs) with christians because it almost seems like they need there to be some people who have to lose Mm
0: -hmm. so that they can win Mm -hmm. which seems to be true in some ways for like a lot of humans around the world Right. right The othering kind of thing in general, it kind mm-hmm. of like justifies who you are as a person when you can say, yeah. like, I'm not that or I'm somehow better than, even if they're really humble people in a mm-hmm. lot of
1: ways. Yeah, because if nobody loses, then why, you know, that all of these sacrifices and all of this holding back from the pleasures, the sinful pleasures of life, what has that gained? Yeah. You know, these holy, holy people.
0: Yeah. Especially the older you get, maybe, and the more entrenched you are
1: in it. Yeah, the longer, the more time that you have actually spent, and the more things that you have denied yourself. Yeah. In order to feel that you have earned this gift of God, which is free. Yeah. That you didn't do anything for, <laughs> but you still really feel proud that you. And you you've still actually it. have to earn it
0: because you got to keep doing all the things. Mm-hmm. And so. I was thinking about it. I don't know if this relates exactly to this conversation, but I was thinking about fear. In relation to Christianity, because I think, like, from what I can perceive, when you even just try to question what it is that you believe, even when I was a full-on Christian and I was, like, asking hard mm-hmm. questions about, yeah, things like hell, heaven, can you be gay and a Christian, like, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And the, and the resistance that a lot of people seem to have to some of these questions. And, again, myself, actually, I think there was a fear, the fear of either the unknown or the fear of maybe if I start to unravel this one tiny question the entire thing can start to crumble yeah, as, it all you know the part. yeah especially if you haven't been questioning for a long time or if you've been justifying the bible with the bible itself a lot of theologies still seem to not ask the tough questions of Did Jesus actually say all of these things? What actually happened historically? There's so much fear in asking those questions and or really answering them, I suppose. Which angers me so much sometimes, but then I can I can empathize with as well, like I guess so I have a hard time empathizing. Really?
1: I have a really hard time empathizing with people who are self deceiving. Even though I know it is literally the brain protecting itself from trauma
0: yeah it's almost a, it's a psychological
1: thing. response yeah like yeah. your brain will literally deceive you in order to protect you from having to go through psychological trauma
0: yeah i think right. my empathy comes for individuals with themselves my bitterness and anger comes when that then affects other people like right. when that turns into like control you exactly. know what I mean? yeah like with almost with each individual if i get to know them i'm like i I feel sad for them that they can't break out of their, they can't question their own belief systems because they're afraid of undoing it, which I think is such a limiting way to live as a human being. Agreed. And there's a lot of reasons why certain people can't come out of it, right? Like they were so conditioned, or they were super abused. As to, like, there's so many reasons why people can't let go. Mm. But it's when that then turns into like power and control over other people. That becomes hard to stomach. Yeah. I'm just going to pause here to let you know that Body & Wine Podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen, and as always, take care of yourself. Okay, let's get back to it. Hmm, I don't know how many years it's been since I said I wasn't a Christian. Maybe three or four. Maybe more than that. Because I knew I wasn't a Christian when I was still leading youth in church, which was a whole other story. And like how I came to terms with that, why I stayed, how and why I left the church, um, which was like one of my main communities at the time. And I really loved people and cared mm. about the youth and cared about what they were learning as well. But then I got a job at an organization that is Christian, initially doing work I really believed in, and it was like a job opportunity thing and a whole bunch of stuff, but essentially like, yeah, signed on literally to a contract, like saying, I'm Christian. Mm. Turns out a lot of people did that. <laughs> I feel like across the board, when you try to like control people, <laughs> they're just going to like lie and you're not going to actually know what you're dealing with. <laughs> like, this is... Yep, where... that's I...
1: completely true.
0: Yes. Israel's borders I think are case in point Mm -hmm. but I basically felt like even though it turned into like most people in my life close to me knew I wasn't a Christian in my work life I still had to live in this facade of being a Christian in order to keep my job let alone like not being queer in any way Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I quit that job that I was able to actually be not Christian like in every way and not be living in fear
1: yeah.
0: yeah And that, at that point, I also felt like I needed to leave the country. I mean, I had wanted to live full time in the Middle East for a long time. Like I'd been here many times for my work and stuff. But it was interesting because a lot of people joked with me, you've been so desperate to leave religion and not just religion, but like the patriarchal aspects of Christianity. Yeah. And there, and then I jump into being in Egypt. And so, you know, just like jumping out of the pan and into the fire where I'm upset at a work policy that says you can't be gay and work for the organization. And I go to a country where you could be imprisoned or put to death for it. (laughs) So the Middle East for me, I could talk for hours, I think, about why I'm interested in the Middle East. But I do think that so much of it has to do with trying to understand the religion that I grew up in and Mm. even like this region of the world without really realizing it up until university I was kind of obsessed with but I saw this region of the world as a fictional place Mm. the maps at the back of the bible to me were something I like fantasized over and Mm. really like they were yeah very captivating to me But it wasn't until university that I was like, oh, those are real places. Israel's a real country in the real world. What's happening now? Oh, Mm -hmm. there's like, you know, Christians are actually talking about it. But then like, oh, whoa, the way they're talking about it is kind of fucked up because I also was becoming an activist at that point. And it was like, what? But the Middle East has been a really interesting place, beautiful place for me to understand my own faith and unpack it. Because as I let go at a geographical distance of my own stuff... Yeah, But I'm face to face with the place that birthed, you know, the Abrahamic religions Yeah, and have these constant conversations with people, whether the people coming out of Islam, coming out of Christianity, coming out of Judaism, it's been an interesting place to kind of process it.
1: Well, I think also, especially because of what's going on here now, you can see the extremes of all three of these Abrahamic religions coming together, where... You can see that they're all fucking up, you know, or at least some, some part of them is fucking up, Mm. but usually it's the most fundamental parts of them. And you know what, it's interesting because we always kind of put fundamentalists like in the margins, but like, what is the definition of fundamental? Mm. It means like, you're like going back to the basics, Mm. like the fundamentals of something. So isn't it funny that like how the fundamental fundamentalists of these three religions are the ones that we like scoff at and be like, they don't know what they're doing. Like they're crazy. They're so misled. But for a lot of them, like they're following the basic tenets of these ancient patriarchal religions that like, if you think about, let me pick on Judaism for a little bit, but this also applies to Islam and actually totally to Christianity. You think about these rules you have, considering homosexuality and marriage and uh, and women think about let's take for example the nation of Israel of ancient Israel you had this small nation surrounded by enemies in this very fertile and very strategic spot of the world the hub of trade between the east and the west you know so if you can control this part of the world in ancient times you are fucking set up. You are mm-hmm. good to go.
0: Let alone in modern times. Let alone in hashtag modern hashtag times. Yeah.
1: When you think about it that way, and you think about the nation of Israel had to be a warring nation. It had to be fighting all the time, defending itself and taking land. And mm. you know they're taken into captivity. They get they're released, or they revolt and they fight back. Mm. They're constantly fighting. Mm. So if you think about the rules about marriage and homosexuality in that time. It becomes this, you kind of think about, okay, how do we, you know, make babies? You need to have men marrying women
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you need to have men not marrying men mm-hmm. and women not marrying women because mm-hmm. that doesn't make babies. That doesn't make soldiers that yeah. go on the front lines. And then you also have this idea which like still I feel like nobody can really have a good explanation for it. Why men can have multiple wives but women can't have multiple husbands. It's so blatantly hypocritical yet like we just accept that like the founding fathers of these religions could easily have like 700 concubines like Solomon uh and multiple wives because it fucking makes babies and you make soldiers and like that's that was the whole, like, an issue back then when, like, you needed, if you wanted to assert yourself as a nation, especially a small one, mm-hmm. you needed to have people to fight your wars for you. I don't know. Like, there's so many little things, like, little ancient yeah. cultural things like that. Yeah. that I've just like,
0: like, always quoting the Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, always. Like, right? I always hear that one reference. And you're like, okay,
1: mm-hmm. come on.
0: Are we still quoting that one verse for modern times.
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah. Hearing about that specifically really kind of made so much sense to me because it goes the same way for like Islam, you know, like early Islam was about, it was like defending itself from the rest of the world basically Mm. because, you know, most of the Middle East and and Saudi Arabia at that time or what is now called Saudi Arabia but at that time Mm. when... (laughs) You know, Allah revealed Islam to Muhammad. Mm. Everyone was against him. He got kicked out of, what was it, Medina? Mm. That's where he got, I think, rejected by the pagans who ruled the city. And then, like, he had to, like, gather, like, a small amount of followers and build, 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 until he could finally fight back against the pagans and take over. But, like, Muslims were warring for a long time. So, like, the same kind of idea applies to them. Like, homosexuality? Not beneficial. Mm. Therefore... It's on, It's mm-hmm. God does not allow it. And you can think back to, I guess, early Christianity wasn't very warlike, but as soon as you get to like one thousand, or even I'm sure earlier than that, but like what really stands out to me, are like the Crusades.
0: Yeah. Christianity wasn't warlike until it was made warlike by, like, what, Constantine? And it was literally turned into like, a yeah, national thing, it, it, and it that motivated war. Yeah, exactly,
1: until like, it was institutionalized. Yeah,
0: and even, I mean, you can look at, in Canada now, there's some interesting work being done, and has been being done for a while now, uh, looking at the Doctrine of Discovery, which was, like, a document that basically, was it back in the 15 or 1600s? But it basically was, like, a full-on document that justified religiously church and government full-on colonization of you know north and south america in the name of god reaching the unreached yeah yeah it was it was so much stuff i mean a lot of bullshit that we can look at now i mean i don't know what i would be like then so Mm -hmm. but when again when you look at like it's interesting how you bring up like fundamentalism and extremism Yeah, I think a lot of where I'm at now is kind of saying like, okay, sure, everything is a balance. But when you look at some of these extremists, you look at some of these fundamentalists, for people who are still believing in the same religions as them, but saying, ah, I don't want to be that extreme. But then it's like, but then why do you want to even be a part of the same belief system? What's wrong with letting it go? As relevant as that book is to world history which it is i mean you know the quran torah and the christian bible for sure in all their many forms now are still relevant to like Mm. how the world is going to unfold humanly speaking and actually environmentally speaking as well (laughs) why does it have to be the central book yeah completely right when I was super liberal Christian, it was to say, okay, well, Jesus is still at the center and that's what brings everyone together. Even when it was all religions are right or all religions are seeking truth, all people are have truth in them, whatever. It's like, but then still, why do we need to obsess over Jesus? Like, if I got to the point where I could undo the Bible enough to kind of say it's like a historical text, it's filled with stories and poems, a little bit of history, why is Jesus more important than like... Oh, you like, yeah. Why is Jesus more important than him? I think there's wisdom in almost every human being, minus maybe Trump and CeCe. <laughs> and that was freedom to me, was realizing that wisdom, truth, love, is right in front of me in this physical world.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and when you think about the biblical prophets, they were always scorned and rejected or even fucking killed, mm. you know? So, like, it's funny you bring up Huey Newton because that was the same thing that happened to him. He was someone huh. really advocating for civil rights, for, for black people, equality. All of this stuff that, like, we can look back now and be like, yeah, like, everything he was advocating for was completely justified. Even though we still don't even offer all that today yeah. as a, as a country. Yeah. But, like, he's totally a prophet. He's totally a prophet. And one thing that he, you just reminded me of when you were saying that, why do we need to focus so much on Jesus? What I wanted to say is white Jesus. (laughs) You know, because Jesus wasn't white. But like, that's the image that, you know. I still picture
0: him as white. Even though I like intellectually, I'm like, no, if this guy ever existed, he for sure wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Blue-eyed,
1: long, brownish-blonde. Good looking white hippie dude, you know, pick up a surfboard and go surf a little bit. People are (laughs) still surprised. Do you get this
0: where people are like, there are Christians in Palestine? And you're Mm -hmm. like, what? That's so crazy when people are still surprised that whoever this Jesus figure was, was Middle Eastern, was from this region. And this is where Christianity originated from.
1: That's why I say sometimes I have really hard time empathizing with people who are just kind of like deliberately ignorant. And we're in this age of technology where if you want to know something, like, you can do a lot of research. Not even just the internet. Go to the fucking library and pick up some books.
0: If you want to know If you want
1: to, like, be sure of what you believe in, like, you can really back... You can try and go back yourself up. There's so many sources out there for you to find out things about what you believe. Yeah. But nobody fucking does it and this is where I start to have I start to lose empathy for people because they just regurgitate shit that they hear on TV or from you know popular figures or these fucking news articles Mm. and it seems so dumb to me like I can't handle it and I I definitely acknowledge that it it is a problem that I have that I need to work on where because I'm an intellectual person and because I'm very analytical, the way I go about my life and like and how I adhere to my beliefs, I definitely need to work on it in a way. But at the same time, <laughs> I just can't stand that mm-hmm. kind of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And when you when you were speaking of how like people don't know that there's Christians like Palestinian Christians here who are persecuted as well by the state of Israel, that is literally the guy that married my grandmother like a couple of years ago. Because mm. uh, my grandpa died when I was like five or six. Mm. And my grandmother just remarried a few mm. years ago. But he is like hardcore, evangelical, conservative Christian to the max, super pro-Israel, anti, anti-anything mm. Middle East, anti-fucking colored people, anti-he's mm. I mean, just a racist piece old racist. piece of shit. I can't stand him. I know that, like, a lot of people would say, like, you know, you need to try, like, and approach him in a different way and come at it differently. But the thing is, I have no connection to him Mm. besides that he married my grandmother. He's just an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I know it's really hard for old people to change their views. Mm.
0: What I find difficult is when people are like, you have to approach them differently. And I think, okay, let's say I'm in front of someone who is saying that the Middle East is full of people who are corrupt and going to hell and are like, they're all stoning their women to death. They're just yeah. saying massive assumptions. Really, um, yeah, 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 all of the extreme stereotypes. And I'm sitting there. All I can think about are my friends yeah. from here, mm-hmm. from Canada who are Palestinian who can't come back mm-hmm. here for all sorts of bullshit. Yeah. For the kids that I know that are in prison from feet. Yeah. who are 12 years old without representation mm-hmm. for being accused of throwing a stone and killing a settler when, A, it never happened, and even if it did, well, it's a complicated situation. Yeah. So if someone is like, you need to approach them with more patience, this old white guy, be more gracious for him, I'm like, fuck that shit. Yeah, sometimes like- I can have that, but sometimes like... Like, I'm not just speaking intellectually here, I'm also speaking about real people. If you're quoting things to me that are affecting real people in this life that I know is true, based on old people that are dead, based on your interpretation of what they may or may not have said, Mm -hmm. I can get really frustrated by that.
1: I completely agree. I mean, I have the same exact issue. Like, I specifically think of people like Mujahid, who, you know, was arrested when he was like in 16 mm. tortured 55 days yeah horrible kinds of ways and he's the sweetest kindest yeah most gentle human being you can ever meet like he's always in the forefront of my mind when i speak to some ignorant asshole like mm. this guy who married my grandma mm. because what i often hear from him and from other people is like oh you just you just see it from one side like you don't understand the full picture oh, i'm think. well read like I know what I'm talking about. You don't, basically, is what he's saying. Wow. Where he has no connection whatsoever. This place doesn't even know the demographics of this place. He doesn't Mm. know the geography. He literally doesn't know anything Mm. about this place, Mm. but he thinks... For some reason that he his ideology is superior,
0: yeah, and you can be well read, but there's a lot of things out there that are really poorly written.
1: Though. you can be well read, but if you're reading bullshit <laughs> yes. all day
0: if you're listening to Fox News all the time
1: mm-hmm. so like that's where I feel like I get a little I'm a little bit radical for some people because yeah, because at that point is where I'm like. You should just die, old man. Like you need to die <laughs> These because ideas w- we'll tonight. be better off without you and your kind mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel guilty about saying it, but I really do feel like when that generation dies out, that baby boomer generation, yeah. the world will be a better place.
0: That kind of person does not live in a vacuum, and I think that's where the anger comes from for me. He affects like politics, he affects people around me. Yep. You know, it's it's difficult because I think I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff because, okay, I have had so many like abilities to move through it, beyond it. I'm grateful to grow up in at least a generation, like I'm not 70 years old, I think, walking away from this stuff. But I'm angry because those ideas are very abusive Mm -hmm. in very physical, mental ways. When it's super prejudiced, racist, and it's abusing other people or affecting Mm -hmm. policy decisions that I think are fucked, the bitterness is there. Yeah, yeah I completely
1: agree because it's like this ideology, it has real world implications. That's the problem. The fact that this motherfucker can still vote yeah. and that he has an impact on the way the world is going to be after he dies Yeah, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, die and just be done with your influence in the world because yeah. you suck. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Your influence is horrible <laughs> and you're an like, idiot. And
0: you
1: know. like, we don't need any more of you <laughs> or what you believe.
0: no. I don't believe in that any one entity created us at this point. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, if humans did evolve either by some sort of chance or not by like a planned out thing, Mm -hmm. what? It's an amazing feat of evolution, but we're super animalistic still. And yet so smart. It's like, we can't handle our own intelligence because we're still acting out in like pretty primal ways a lot of the time, but then we're like so brilliant and it would be a shame if we ruined not only ourselves, but then a lot of parts of the planet on the way. Yeah. But A, I have to pee. Me too. B, I want to talk about sexuality.
1: Yeah, we haven't talked about sexuality. We haven't talked know. about it yet. You we, oh. will. We, will. we will. Okay, right. Do you, are right. you
0: bursting or are you going to die? Uh, you go first. Okay.
1: I'll refill the drink. Okay. My drink, at least.
0: Epic thank you for Tyler for sharing such vulnerable experiences with us today. And thank you all listeners always for listening into these conversations and sharing as you feel inspired. Feel free to check out Body and Wine Podcast's Instagram if you haven't already, at Body and Wine Podcast. And check out Tyler's upcoming episode where we dive deeper into our purity culture pasts. Cheers for now, and take care of yourselves.